Marhaba everyone and welcome to another episode of Yala Rocks. I'm your host Tiffany and I'm super excited that you've joined us today. Today we have Alia here with us to discuss mapping your music. This is a skill that everyone does a little bit differently, so I love to have Alia's perspective on this as someone I really look to for knowledge on improvisational skills. Where does music mapping fit? How can we use it to help us create great art and structured improvisation? And Alia has her answers for us here today. Her class in the 2021 bundle is How to Map Your Music, From Fact to Fantasy, a four-part system for musical confidence. It's going to be amazing, and I'm very excited to be able to jump in and get started with these skills. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Alia Tabit is here with us today. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you, Tiffany. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. I always adore talking to you, and I love that you're back. I think this is your third episode here on the podcast, and we always have such interesting conversations, so I like I can't wait to get into it. So today, we're going to do a deep dive into breaking down music, which is the concept for the next course that you're putting in the bundle is a, a music mapping course. So I wanted to start off by dispelling a myth that I'm betting a lot of our listeners currently are thinking. So you are very well known for your work in improv and several of the courses you've done in past bundles have been around this idea of improvisation. And I think there's probably a contingent of our listeners right now who are like, well, but she likes improv, but we're breaking down music. Isn't that something you usually do for choreography? So can you speak to why music mapping is actually important no matter what you're planning to do to the music? I don't know if it's important no matter what you're planning to do to the music, but there are certain circumstances under which it is more important than other circumstances. All right. For example, if there's parts of the music that are just confusing, Mm -hmm. you might need to, you know, like go in there and pull them apart and look at them more clearly so that you have an idea of what's going on in there. Uh, if you want to compose something, then it is helpful. You don't have to ever do it, but I find it helpful, particularly if I want to make a dance. And the other part of that is that I, in my experience, most of the choreographies that I've ever been taught in belly dance were like specific uh, step combinations, right? Like basically long strings of steps that are ideally connected to the music, but they're basically long strings of steps. And I would suggest that you can make dances in many other ways that don't involve strings of steps at all. And that understanding the music that you have is still useful in that context. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So you do think then that mapping your music is very important for, I'm just going to make sure I got what you said correctly, um, that it's important for when you find the music a little complex, lots of things are happening. You kind of want to break it down into more manageable pieces. And when you are looking to create a dance, it is tends to be more helpful. So then where does improv fit into something like this, something more on the, on the mapping out the music side? 
so yeah, anytime you just want to understand the music better for whatever purpose, mapping is helpful. And there's a bunch of different ways that you can do that. And we also in belly dance, we tend to think of complete improvisation where you, you just go out and wing it, which is a thing and it's a great thing. And I do that all the time. And a lot <laughs> it's of my preferred way to dance. Do it all the time. But, and, and at the other extreme are these very specific step combinations. Like you see people a lot of the time, especially in competitions, you see it where if they have to repeat the dance, like everything, even every little wink and nod and, you know, shoulder twitch is exactly the same every time they do it because every aspect of it has been, you know, planned in advance because we have recorded music. Mm -hmm. Because we have recorded music, we can plan things down that tightly. When we have live music that's, you know, being played by musicians of the culture or musicians who understand the, the cultural values of the music that goes, you know, oriental dance music, then you're gonna always have some improvisation and some changing and you might have the song and the song is the same song, but all the decorations are gonna be different. Mm -hmm. And uh, even the, like, the mood of the music might be different depending on the mood of the musicians. So in that context, you would need to be able to adapt anyway. So having something that was completely set and then having musicians who are playing a much looser, you know, more, I don't know, adapted, anyway, decorated version of the song is gonna, you know, play hob with your, all your carefully orchestrated accents and whatnot. So there's a place in between, a land in between these two extremes. And that land is called structured improvisation. And it is so much fun. So for people who like the idea of going out and, and doing complete improvisation is like asthma attack. And the people who are like, I can't dance choreography because I can't remember any of that stuff. There is a nice big, huge place in between that is a great place to be. And in that place, you have a structure. So you, and you can, there's a million ways to structure a dance. So you were gonna, you had asked me before about um, pieces of elements of music, right? So you might have a verse, you might have a chorus, you might have a taksim, you might have in Arabic music, you often have call and response where the singer or the melody instrument sings a, a phrase and then the chorus or the orchestra repeats that or the musician sings a phrase and then there is a, a melody instrument that echoes that phrase. And these are, these are kind of top things. And then when you have more complex orchestral music, uh, you, there will be different sections of the song and the sections might be quite different from each other. You're still gonna have these basic building blocks of verse, chorus, taxim, you know, call and response that might or might not be part of the verse and the chorus and orchestral or orchestral 
you know, the whole ensemble as opposed to the solo instrument or the singer. So as when you map your music, you can figure out what all these things are, which, what are these main themes, where do they repeat? And then if you want, you could, for example, here's a theme. It repeats three times during the song. It's, um, it's got its own little verse chorus thing. And here's another theme and that repeats another three times and it's got its own verse chorus thing. There's a text theme over here. And then there's um, another text theme over here. And then there's a long thing by the singer over here. So each of those sections you can say in theme A for the verses, I'm going to work with my arms and for the choruses, I'm going to travel. And this is where the structured improvisation kind of comes in, where you're not necessarily choreograph like choreographing those pieces, but you have an idea of what you'll be focusing on or how you'll be treating that particular portion of the music. Yes. So I'm going to travel in a circle counterclockwise and this part of the music. You don't have to decide what step you're going to do. You just know that in this section, that you know goes from three three point four seven to you know four point two three. You're going to be doing this counterclockwise circle, so you know how long you're going to need to get around that circle. And then you don't have to be I'm going to do this step, or I'm going to do that step, or I'm going to do this complicated thing where I have these three steps in a row. You're just going to get around that circle in the speed that you have, and because you're not having to think about those steps you can have a lot more fun getting around that circle and be more present and be more engaged, you know, with your body and your movement and your guests if you're performing. You could also have a story in your dance instead of having steps. In this part, I'm going to be circling counterclockwise and this is the part where I'm running away from you know, the evil overlord. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a character and a setting that, you know, you get to play with instead of remembering that I'm going to do left, right, turn, kick, step, step, left, right, turn, kick, step, step. Oh my God, I always get dizzy by the third one. Do you find that looking at music in this way and, and looking at it from a structural like a structured improv perspective puts people more in the moment then because they're not thinking Maya, Maya, circle, hip drop, wink, you know, turn. I, there's always, you know, there's always the temptation to make things overcomplicated. And as, as a learned the process of making dances by making dances, I would make these dances and then I would go perform them and I would literally throw half out while I was doing it. But because I had developed these, um, these like frameworks instead of rigid sequences, I could just say, you know what? I'm gonna take twice as long to make this circle. I'm not gonna do that other thing because that's just too busy. Mm -hmm. And so as much, and I knew the music because I had mapped it. So I knew exactly how much time I had. I knew exactly what was coming next. I knew everything. And I didn't have to try to 
because you know when you do those step sequences sometimes if you like it's the alphabet song if you don't start at a you can't figure out what's the letter after p yes i was just thinking that that there are some there are some dancers where like the core something happens and they can't do that part of the choreography and then it's just you've slipped in the mud on the mudslide on the side of the hill and you're just free falling at this point and have no idea what happens next and you just have to decide and i think that's one of the things that so many people kind of uh trial by fire right when you first start dancing in public like at restaurants or at events is is that moment mm -hmm. what do you do in that moment yeah what do you do in that moment if when you get to that moment and you're like ah instead of going inside to look for what that thing is, just blow off the whole choreography and look <laughs> around people and, you know, just flirt with them for a while. Like, oh, and just, you know, do whatever comes out. I think we've all, I think the number one fear that I hear from dancers who are experimenting and exploring improvisation is, you know, that they won't, have enough variety and that they'll be boring. Yes. Mostly because they're terrified and they're like, oh my God, I've done this three times. Oh God, I, I, I can't think of anything else. Because, you know, the idea is that you don't think anyway, that you don't have to think. And instead you can say to yourself, right, I have a circle coming up. Right, I'm going to zigzag here. You have that one piece coming up and then in the meantime, you can just be. Yeah. And, and we could all spend a lot more time just being and being like, aren't we having fun? Isn't this great? And disconnecting with the people who are around us instead of, you know, following the little list of things that we're supposed to do. It's this dance is really about connection and about personality and about being with people, which is part of why that improvisational piece is so important. And the, it's all about dancer agency. And agency means you're the boss. You know, you can make decisions on the fly, and I can, you know, just leave that part out, or I can just stand around over here for a while and you know, enjoy myself with these people because they're having a good time and then I'll go off and do something else. And so then do you find that people who go through this music mapping with you and they, they learn how to break down a piece of music into all of these different parts and, and really get to know the, the music, do they then have more confidence in those moments because they know the songs so well? Because that's something else I hear from dancers where like, right, when the improv is scary, it's, like, I'm afraid I'm going to do the same thing all the time. And I'm afraid that I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in the music. Like they're, they're just yeah. afraid of the uncertainty of, of what comes next. Yes. And I think it's, it's interesting to me because really the, the vast majority of like straight up belly dance music, especially the old, old style club music is it's really got a lot of the same structures as American music. Um, American pop music. Um, there's a there's a a very compelling school of belief that says that um, such a thirty five percent of the Africans who were kidnapped and brought here and enslaved 
were Muslim and spoke and wrote Arabic. Mm -hmm. And so that music came and the music of all these various other people from Africa came and sort of made these organic fusions um, once they got here. But you see a lot of the qualities of Arabic music in the blues, which underpins all of rock and roll, and then jazz and a lot of qualities of Arabic music and jazz. Mm -hmm. So some of those things came very likely seem to have come through, joined with a lot of other influences from other people from other areas. But there are these threads. So I, I it's always it's funny because look at American rock and roll, verse, chorus, yeah, guitar solo, <laughs> drum solo. It's just like it's all the same thing. It's the same kind of structure. It, so much music has that same kind of structure. You know, the verse, the chorus, the bridge, you know, solo instruments, the singer, you know, gets to go off for a while. So it's not as foreign as it seems. I think people are just think it's going to be complicated and that orchestral music is complicated but so is you know western um classical music it's mm -hmm. it's pretty complicated too and that a lot of that influenced a lot of those arabic composers in the 30s and 40s and 50s when they started making that kind of music mm -hmm. so when you start mapping a song mm -hmm. then where do you where do you start in this whole process? Do you look at these, these verses, the, the chorus, do you start breaking those pieces out? Can you actually talk about what some of those things are? Because I'm going to be completely honest. I'm one of those people that this information never sticks in my head. Like what part is what and what it's called. You should see me trying to teach improv because I can't use any of these words. <laughs> my brain loses them as a teacher in class every single okay. time. Okay. I can't sing it in Arabic, but you know the George Abdo song, um, Sherry Je T'aime, that's mm -hmm. really old. That's and that's in French, not Arabic. That's the verse. Then comes the chorus. Unless that's the verse and the other one is a chorus. I don't know. <laughs> and and then it just repeats. And yeah. it goes over and over. And then the, you know, and then the canoe takes a solo or the lead takes a solo or whatever. And they take turns taking solos. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So then is that where you start then when you're mapping music and you start breaking out these pieces and what goes where in the song? Like, how do you get started with the process? I just process start like by this? listening to the piece of music. I just listen to it. And I don't even dance, you know, if I'm seriously like, I'm going to do something with this song, I listen to it without dancing. So that, and I listen to it over and over again, so that it, the pieces, the parts of it, even if I don't, kind of can't really feel how they go together and it's still sort of a mush but I start to recognize the different themes and the different parts of the song mm -hmm. and then um, I will often draw it that's these are the things that are in this class yes. there's a, um, some drawing I might dance the drawing that I made uh, and I will dance like experimentally and just see what comes out and then I will start with the you know the player 
and the pen and the spreadsheet and watch the time counter. And every time I see a change, I will write down the number on the, you know, the, yeah. the second counter. I will write that number down. And then little by little, I will start getting more numbers and filling in more blanks so that I know where the chorus is. I know where the verse is. I know where the canoon is. I know where all the things are. And by the time I get through with that, I'll recognize, oh, this part that they played here is the same as this part that they played here. And they only play it in those two places in this song. This part that they play here is regular and goes all the way through the song. You know, they play that three or four times. Mm -hmm. So it, it almost sounds like when you map music, you start in a more esoteric place. Like it's less numbers, less really rigid and yeah, it's more in a very big picture yeah place. it's more out there more dancey drawing seeing listening and then once that started to get into your brain gets into your body then we kind of dive into the, like the nerdy side of it and like okay now let's break it down into the pieces yeah. so I can really track what's going on yeah but I like to get to know the piece of music first because if I just start making notes it's much harder mm -hmm to just like take a piece of music that I like haven't even listened to and just and start making notes I can do it but it's harder it's a lot easier if um, I've already made myself familiar with that piece of music before I start doing that do you find there are particular types of songs like within the traditional belly dance world you know drum solos toxemes pop songs that this is works better for like it's it's it helps more to break down a particular type of song than others? Uh, an extended taxim I might only do in a very general kind of way because I think it's kind of criminal to tightly choreograph a taxim anyway. <laughs> but what about structured improv within a taxim? Well, I'm like I said, I might do it in a, a light kind of way, you know, in this first part. And then when this happens, I'm going to switch to this. And when this happens, I'm going to switch to that. Mm -hmm. um, I might do it like that. I generally don't bother with drum solos because they have, generally speaking, they have such a consistent structure that it really isn't necessary. Mm -hmm. And again, I mean, you could, you could, go to the trouble if you had a recording of you know delineating every little click and pop but it's like why <laughs> <laughs> so you find this works better for like bigger orchestral pieces where there's lots of things happening th like songs that have multiple almost pieces to them it it works better for any song that i want to make something with all right any song that I want to make something that I'm going to maybe do even just once or more than once, I'm going to make something, then I will do that with the song. Because as I do that, I will be, things will be coming to me and like visuals will come to me and ideas will come to me and concepts will come to me. Um, maybe movement things will come to me, but lots and lots and lots of content will come to me as I do it and the dance will start to make itself. This is very much part of like a creative process of yeah. creating. <laughs> it doesn't sound quite right, but like it's part of that process of, of creation yeah. for you. Map Your Music is, uh, is one module of a very 
uh, like 13 week course. <laughs> that, well, everyone who took it said, please, could you make this into pieces? Because it's the most fantastic thing, but it's, it's very intense. It is very intense. It's a very intense course. People have homework every day and it's a lot. They have to like show up and, you know, report on their homework every day. So it's like, uh, so I'm, I'm just doing what I've been asked to do. And the things like map your music is something that I think can be taken out and made with enough examples. People can do that without like a live class. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is all about using uh, narrative and symbolic structures. Mm-hmm. And that one's going to be a live class, Wonderland, because I think that one. And then there's, there's pieces about um, stage patterns and uh, interpreting music in terms of what kind of stage patterns you're going to use. And it's, so there's a bunch of different pieces of that embodiment which we did in one of the other bundles um, was also originally part of this course was create create how to create dance art so embodiment was the very beginning plus the things that I realized weren't in the course and needed to be and would have pushed it out to 15 it was already 13 weeks long we couldn't add more to it So I pulled that stuff out and that's a lot about musical structure. Embodiment is a lot about musical structure again, because once you know where you are, you can relax and have a good time. Mm -hmm. And then you know what the structure is and da 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 da. Here's a good place to change. Da 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 da. Here's another good place to change. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or you could, you know, but you know how long the line is and you know what the next line is because music has particularly our dance music has a rhythmic structural base and that's just the way it is so one thing that a lot of dancers do that isn't isn't that great a lot of times is dancing ahead of the music right so how mm. do we get the benefits of doing something like this music mapping right we're say we're doing it in a structured improv where there's a piece of our dance that is going to be improved but we know the music so well. What advice do you have for dancers to not get ahead of the music, right? So instead of being like, da, 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 right? They're hitting that last duh like a beat or two early because they know it's coming, right? We know the music yes. so well that we actually dance to our what's in our heads versus what's actually happening in that moment. Yes. And that's not about knowing the music well, that's about dancing in our heads. And- <laughs> having made pre pre decisions about every step so that I, what I, what I, th- I think of it as dancing next to the music instead of dancing with the music. So people are like, they're doing their sequence of steps that they memorized and the music is playing. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily but, related. <laughs> right. But when you're dancing with the music, and you're sort of letting your responding, letting yourself respond to the music and letting the music move you because you don't have anything particular that you have to do. You have the opportunity to be much more present with the music and take your time and be really engaged with it and you know, follow the music instead of the teleprompter in your head. The teleprompter in your head, yes. 
<laughs> That's an excellent visual for, for, for that. Um, awesome. So for listeners who are listening today, they're like, okay, I'm in, I want to like get to know my music a little bit better, really dive into a piece of this. What is like the first step you would have them do to like, just, you know, kind of dip their toe into the idea of music mapping? Just listen to the music. You don't have to dance. You don't have to do anything. Just listen to the music. When I'm working on a song, particularly the more complicated the song, the more likely I am to do this. I will put the song on my player and just play it on repeat like all day. And as you listen to the music, you start to be able to notice when the changes come. Because if you're going to improvise, it's important to be able to have an embodied sense of when changes are coming because then you know where the accents are going to be. You can like, and you can land that accent because you're not in a hurry to get there. You could just float until you feel it coming and then you can hit it. But if you're like, accents coming, accents coming, that's it. Accents coming, boom, oh, you know, and, and then that, you know, once again, you're either ahead of it or behind it. And really the, the culprit is thinking. Damn our brains. We just need to be all in our bodies. Like leave our brains yeah. out of the dancing. Yeah. And just be with the music and respond to the music instead of, you know, trying to control. You can't control that situation. You just have to let it happen. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Alia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today about music mapping, about creating a piece this way and using it to do structured improv, to create a dance. It's amazing. And I, I'm really excited for people to dive into this course in the bundle, or if you're listening far in the future, just on its own, you can probably grab it from Alia then. Alia, tell people, how can they find you on the internet? How can they check out your classes? Tell them all the things. Ah. Um, my website is aliathabit.com, oddly enough, <laughs> my first and last name. Um, I'm on Facebook under that name. On Instagram, um, if you search my name, you'll find me, but my handle is Belly Dance Soul. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else? We'll also link your, we'll link your book too in the, oh, yeah. on the show notes page because that's, that's a great read for anybody who is interested in the yeah. things that we talked about. Today. At the crossroads, has Belly Dance sold its soul? And you can see that's where the Instagram handle comes from. So it's, a, it's an excellent read. I highly suggest it to anybody who hasn't picked up a copy yet. Um, Alia, thank you so much for your time. I have one last question for you before we head out today. Uh, I'm trying to bring a little bit of a positive spin to the last 18 months. So we've all been trapped in our houses a little bit. Um, what is the most positive dance experience you've had during the pandemic? Being able to do through Zoom, because I've been on Zoom for a long time. I live in the sticks. But being able through Zoom to be able to do things like dance meditation, which is really, really about just relaxing into the music and letting your body move as it wishes, which is a core theme of Oriental dance. You just let your body respond to the music. And when that happens, everything changes and everything just goes, 
<sighs> yes. Being able to do that with other people. It's probably been fantastic through this time when we need meditation it's, it's the most nice to do it together. Yeah. And we're dancers. We want to move, move we through our move feelings with the music. Yeah. As, as, as belly dancers, as Oriental dancers, our goal is to enjoy ourselves and our bodies to the music and to share that joy with our guests. If we perform with our stuffed animals, you know, if we're at home, but just to be able to rest in the music and let the music move us. And that's how we become comfortable and confident is to just let go of all of that work and enjoy ourselves and enjoy our dance. So put the work in and then forget the work. Yes. Excellent. Alia, thank you so much for your time and for all the work you do in the belly dance space. I, I adore you and what you put into the world. And I, I'm going to keep having you back in the bundle for as long as you'll <laughs> keep coming back. I, I, I adore you right back. And it's a pleasure to be here. Everyone who's listening, thank you so much for checking out this episode. Check out the show notes page. I'll mention it in the outro. And I hope to see you on our Instagram challenge later today. Bye. 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 As always, an amazingly enlightening conversation with Alia. Art, creation, improv, music, confidence. I mean, what didn't we talk about? A lot. Honestly, we could have a whole season just talking to Alia and she would still have more knowledge to impart. If you loved it, check out the show notes page at thebellydancebundle.com 72 and follow Alia on social. I've also put some links to her website and her book there, so if you haven't read it yet, pick up a copy. It was actually part of our very first bundle back in 2017. Now, off with you. Go, find yourself a song, and listen. We live in a world where we're always doing a million things at the same time. Today, take a little sliver of your day for you and just listen to a song. A new one, one you love, either way. But just be and listen. It's a great first step. Mm-hmm.